0: Hello, and welcome to In Line with Nature, the podcast that explains an approach to building that puts the future of our planet first. With me, Hannah McInnes. In this series, I talk to experts about modern day construction, its impact on the natural world, and why the time for change is now. I'll be talking to our series of guests about new approaches to design, reimagining a built environment at once rather than at odds with nature.
1: I'm Ampila Rampele. I am the co-president of the Club of Rome and the co-founder of
0: Reimagine South Africa. So in those capacities and being here at the Cloisters Forum, what does the built environment signify and mean to you? The built environment is a statement of
1: relationships, that we have as social beings, as humans who are interconnected, interdependent, and the, the spatial configurations of built environments express power relationships between people and between people and the environment and between different communities, depending on what system of values are paramount in that community. I come from an African continent where being human is to be connected to others. And so built environments such as I grew up in, as a young person in apartheid South Africa, are a violation of human dignity, human um, self-respect, and have created a legacy of inequality that's equal to none. We are the most unequal society in the world precisely because the legacy of colonial conquest that captured our lands and our natural resources including our mineral resources for use by the dominant uh, powers that colonized us followed by the more blatant apartheid system that simply put into law what had been the practice from the first time settlers set their foot on our continent so Built environments are absolutely fundamental to the yearning we have for a world which expresses well-being for all and a healthy planet. We cannot have a healthy planet with so much inequity.
0: You finish exactly with what I was going to ask you next, which was... Do you see, therefore, that sustainability and building in a way that is in accordance with nature, building in a way that helps our planet and all the climate worries and needs that we face, does that go hand in hand with social concerns and concerns about inequality? They go together.
1: They do, indeed, because building ecologically sound uh built environments, would require us learning from indigenous knowledge. Our ancients, who are common ancients for all of humanity, understood that we are part of nature. Nature is our mother. The earth is our mother. Whereas colonial conquest said, we can take land and own it. We cannot own land. Land owns us. And that is indigenous wisdom that's known everywhere. Land is for us to use in a way that recognizes our responsibility for stewardship of every ecological item that we utilize, whether they are plants or animals or birds or insects or fish, we have to exercise that stewardship. And so global equity goes hand in hand with a healthy planet because where there is inequality, people lose their sense of being and their responsibility their sense of responsibility for the environment, and they are alienated often from their ancestral lands, and so they no longer care about the environment. You see how filthy the ghettos are, but you go to villages where people are still living in their ancestral environment, they do not have litter all over the place. But in alienating spaces, you also have damage to the ecology. So, equality and equity go hand in hand with a
0: healthy planet. So what it sounds like also goes hand in hand is living in an environment that has the feeling of being closer to nature in terms, I suppose, of aesthetics and of feel that it is as much about a mindset change as it is about the actual materials influencing the planet and the climate. So it's about changing people's mindsets so that they feel close to nature, so that the idea that we dominate nature, all of that can disappear because when you live in a place that makes you innately feel close to nature, you're changing a mindset that way.
1: Well the mindset has to be changed also by intentionally recognizing that human beings are part of a living system. And COVID has shown us that the social distancing made people even sicker because we are used to being supported when we are at our most vulnerable. So being conscious of our humanity as part and parcel of the web of life would make us even more aware of the health-giving impact of built environments that bring the living system in every
0: possible way. Have you got any examples of things you've seen, where it's happening? in a village
1: where this was happening. We had rondavos, which were built with uh, mud bricks. We had floors that were mud floors, smeared beautifully with beautiful patterns with cow dung. Mm. Thatch roofs. We didn't need an air condition. Mm. In winter, they're warm. In summer, they're cool.
0: The idea then is, I mean, it's a de- deeply frustrating that we had that and we took it away, modernity took that away, and now we need to get it back.
1: The beautiful thing is that it's not completely dead on my continent. If you go to any nature reserve in South Africa, you'll see these beautiful rendezvous with thatch roofs because they are the most efficient way of building, particularly in the wilderness, because you don't want to have thin roofs, and all manner of contraptions that are going to break the rhythm of the ecology.
0: So how do you transfer that wider and into urban areas? The beauty is,
1: here there's a, a compatriot of mine who is part of a team that has been asked by the, the African Union and a number of other players including business people, to design cities for 2050 where Africa will have 2.5 billion people. Now, those buildings to be designed and the current buildings to be refurbished and renovated have to draw from the richness of the natural environment for them to be sustainable. But also, we have learned the lessons of the lack of sense in having tall glass buildings. What for? The aesthetics of indigenous buildings, for example, is captured. And you can go on the website of www. Uh, Pan-African Heritage Museum, which is being built in Ghana, doing exactly what I'm talking about. It's on a 10-acre plot, and every structure is surrounded by greenery. Bamboos, palm trees, grass, and they also have built a herb garden into it. Remember, Africa didn't just have the good fortune of being the cradle of humanity, but they observe nature. So these herbs are what our ancestors used to cure so many diseases. Now people are going back to find that ah, oh, you can actually cure HIV with some of those herbs. But because of the arrogance of the Westerners who dominate our global system, they just assume that if it's not written by them, if it hasn't gone through the laboratories, modern laboratories, it's not
0: known. So do you think that it's changing? Do you take heart from being here, I suppose, that there is a louder clamour of voices for these things to start changing, that the future is more positive where the built environment is concerned? Absolutely. What gives me real hope is
1: that young people across the African continent are celebrating their culture. They are expressing this in the artistic world, but also in design. And there is a Togo man here who is one of the innovators. He has designed a way of replacing concrete with materials that he has found a way of pulling together. And it's Marvelous to see that sort of thing. And he's not only doing it on the continent, he's doing it all over. But in addition, you have young people who are working, for example, with Kojo Yanka, the man of the museum, who are absolutely thrilled to be part and parcel of the research teams, part and parcel of the design, part and parcel of the team that's going to run this. You go to my country... With all of the horrors of state capture, there are young people there who are absolutely determined to promote small producer agri-groups, in fact it's a chain of suppliers who are village-based, who are smallholders and their job as graduates is to make sure that there is quality control, there's access to the markets, the cold chain is maintained. It's marvelous. Finally, young people are standing up to say, Africa has got this wealth of youthful, creative, energetic people, and yet is led by the over-60s. They want to put an end to it. It's happened in Zambia. It's going to happen. In many other parts of Africa, including in my own country, young people are saying enough is enough. We are going to lead the process because this continent is too good to be left in the hands of the elderly.
0: So your biggest hope, is it, is in in the young and not just the young architects of the future, but generally a generation that is more in tune to climate needs, do you feel? I'm very hopeful because young people
1: across the continent are putting up their hands to lead their continent, to make sure that they leverage Africa's huge resource base, mineral, natural, and human potential, so we can become the prosperous mother continent that we are. That the world often looks at Africa as what they used to call the dark continent. We believe that Africa's rightful place as the cradle of humanity and the cradle of the first human civilization needs to be celebrated and needs to be affirmed. These young people are determined to do just
0: that. And do you think that they have a loud enough voice at the table when Western nations are trying to impose their way of doing things, onto Africa still, I think, um, particularly perhaps China. Does Africa have a loud enough voice to say, no, this isn't what we want. We want our built environment, our way, and we know how it's done. The beautiful thing is that
1: the young people we're talking about are not like their elders who emulated the departed colonials or looked at a powerful country like China as a country they cannot say no to. These young people may have gotten their education in the U.S. or the U.K. or South Africa or China, but they are their own people. They are determined to be the best that they can become as African people, as
0: African leaders, as the future of our beautiful continent. Such a positive note. I'm going to ask you, we speak very much about Africa in this podcast, which is absolutely right. But I wonder if um, to people listening who are across the world, you know, what your main message is. You're such a powerful speaker. What's your message to listeners of the podcast about the future of the built environment and the role they can play? The future of Africa is
1: inextricably linked to the future of a world with greater equity and a healthy planet. We owe it to ourselves as the human race, because there's only one race, the human race, to work together to restore Africa's place in the world. For that to happen, there has to be acknowledgement of the devastation of colonial conquest, and in my country's case, the follow-up with apartheid. That devastation didn't just wound Africans, it wounded the Europeans who did this because being human is to be connected. Mm. So when you wound me, you wound yourself. Mm. If you want to live In a world where there is peace, mutual respect, and collaboration, we need to restore those broken links. And Africa represents a continent most in need of healing from the
0: broken relationships that played out. I have to ask therefore, do you think the most important thing then is education? Education, qua
1: education is not useful. Mm -hmm. What we need is a new way of learning. Learning first of all, how to be human again, how to be human in the indigenous sense of understanding this interconnectedness and interdependence. And second, we need to acknowledge What's happened in the past? History, as it's taught in America, in the US, in Africa, is distorted. Mm. And so young people haven't got the benefit of understanding where they come from. If you don't know where you come from, it's very difficult to find where you're going.
0: Mm.
1: So the teaching of history has to change. The teaching of science has to change. Mm. This fracturing of science into legal specialties or even social sciences from the so-called natural sciences, knowledge is a holistic, interconnected Mm. entity. If we want young people to be prepared for the 21st and the 22nd century, they need to understand how to learn to be self-conscious in the sense of understanding who they are, and to be able to express themselves in their mother tongue and in whatever other languages, but to have that emotional intelligence, which is needed in this interconnected world, but also to have this holistic understanding of knowledge as a body that all of humanity has communicated, I mean, has contributed. So... The more you learn about other cultures, the more you understand. You get to understand yourself and humanity better.
0: I have to let you go. This could be a whole nother hour or 20 minutes of a podcast in itself. And it's just such an important um, subject. And, you know, one, I think lots of people, hopefully more voices are coming into the arena to say, hang on, we need to change the way We educate people. And in this country, we learn about Henry VIII's wives again and again and again. And we don't learn about colonialism and we don't learn about other cultures. And it's so interesting hearing just how important that is in so many ways, you know, here at this conference where I didn't expect so much to be talking about it. The point is...
1: Education and learning is about self-liberation. Mm. If you lie to yourself about Henry's wives instead <laughs> of what really happened in, 19, in 1652 and all of the history of colonialism, you are denying yourself knowledge that could make you wiser. Mm. So, I enjoyed talking to you, and long may you continue to be this... Bearer of
0: provocative news. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. You've been listening to In Line with Nature, brought to you by the Cloisters Forum, hosted by me, Hannah McInnes, produced by Claire Heaton, and supported by the wonderful team at the Cloisters Forum. We'd love to hear your thoughts, suggestions or any questions you might have about the episode, just send your email to podcast at com, and make sure to tune in for our next instalment.